0: Adam Conley is the president of Glass Expanse, a company that manufactures and sells directly to builders innovative architectural glass door systems for luxury homes. Adam has a very thoughtfully formed notion of how builders and their trade partners can best work together. And it's an appropriate time to be having that conversation because the labor shortage, the competitive market that we're smack dab in the middle of. So that's the topic for today's episode. Before we begin a little bit more about Glass Expanse, in their own words, their products are backed by the best warranty and customer service in the industry. They're pushing the envelope with several things like rolling out a streamlined online ordering system. They also are creating an innovative builder program where they're going to be featuring some of the top builders from around the country. Glass Expanse was recently featured on the CNBC reality real estate show called Cash Pad. One other thing before we begin, if you haven't already, please go subscribe to our emails. You can do so at the homepage of buildingoptimal.com. We send out an email several times per month, all our most recent episodes and articles all in one place. So that way you stay up to date and much appreciated if you have not already done. So thank y'all and enjoy the episode.
1: So Adam, I want to start by recapping, actually, I'm going to just straight off, read this quote that you wrote on LinkedIn that caught my attention a few weeks ago and I'm actually going to replace one word cause you referenced Texas, but I think that this can apply to the whole, uh, national economy. So I'm going to replace one word, but here it goes. You said most successful builders have built their companies over many years because of great relationships and abundance of communication, both with their clients and their vendors. When there's an increase in homes being built, I feel like the advantage goes to the manufacturer vendor. And when there's a downturn, the builder gets the upper hand. The economy is exploding with growth. So I feel like the builder is sometimes put in a tough spot. The vendor can sometimes have the attitude that if you don't buy it, someone else will. The thing is, we will have a slow period at some point, And then all of those sales reps will come crawling back to the and telling the builder how important they are. That's just how it goes, end quote. (laughs) So, what motivated you to post that?
2: Uh, Most of it comes from physically talking to builders and understanding the service that they're getting from their vendors. And it's not only in our industry, it's across all industries, really. And it just seems like when there's a boom on, vendors, manufacturers, everybody's just trying to keep their head above water. So lead times are getting pushed out, prices often increase, and I feel like a lot of times the builder is just kind of put in that spot, like take it or leave it. So, from my understanding, the builder just takes it because he has no other choice, and so he's kind of put in that tough spot where, hey, our our prices increased by ten percent, or you know, our lead times pushed out to this, and you know, if you don't like it, go buy a different product from somebody else. And so the mindset of the manufacturer is, I just wanna fill the orders that I have coming in. And if I lose one customer or two customers, it's not really gonna hurt me. And so what I think that breeds in the the sales side of things is that salespeople aren't worried about maintaining clients as much as they are as just fulfilling orders. And so I think the service really struggles and the builders are t- put in a tough spot. And then I know that as soon as a downturn comes, then all these salespeople are going to basically be looking to maintain those accounts. And so all of a sudden the builder is really important now and you need something quicker. Okay, we can push it through. But when there's a boom, the builder's trying to keep his head above water, but he's put in a really tough spot by vendors and manufacturers. So I, I just see that the service starts to lack when there's a boom in the industry. And, Ultimately, I think the builder is the one that suffers because their client that they're dealing with gets a lot of times lower quality product. They're paying more for it. They're waiting longer. So the build process takes longer. Everything goes back onto the builder. And so I just felt like a lot of manufacturers don't address that in their sales teams. They just, hey, you know, we got to increase our sales this month by 10%, uh, next month by 10%. And so they're just pushing volume over service. In a boom like this. So I don't know. I I feel like we're trying to do it a little bit different. And whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. But I I just felt like a lot of builders want to say that, but they don't really want to put that out on social media and have their vendors or their manufacturers see it. So I felt like
1: as a manufacturer, I can address that. Yeah, I think you said what everybody's thinking. You actually referenced later in the in the post, a builder, I believe is his name, uh, Weston Dean? Yes. So you referenced one of your clients, uh, Weston Dean, I think in San Antonio, and you were talking about how they've done particularly well with the way that they handle their relationship with you guys and from, from what you see their other trade partners. Do you have any specific examples that come to mind of particularly unique or effective strategies that builders have used to create better trade partner relationships?
2: It's a good question. So I want to take a step back first. I'm not a big fan of the word strategy because, and this is my opinion, but I feel like strategy is like a reference to a game where you're always trying to win. And so when you have strategies, you're just looking out for yourself first, I feel like. And so I think that both the builder and the vendor needs to be really careful about not just looking out for themselves first i would say that it kind of relates back to our sales you know policy with our sales people the first thing i tell them is take a meeting with a builder and don't say one word about our product just ask them questions about their business so if we think we're unique in what we create then every builder we have to understand that every builder is unique right so I always say, just sit down and understand their business. Like Every builder has a different value prop to the client. Every builder has a different process. They all do similar things, but they're all very, very different. And so if we don't talk about our service or our product at all, and we just want to understand how they built their company, what their company is built around, and what they value, then we can build a specific program for them. So in return, I would say that a builder strategy or or something that a builder should focus on is understanding the opposite. So they need to understand their trade partner, their contractor, their manufacturer, and understand what that manufacturer values. And so just like every builder, every trade partner, every contractor, every manufacturer has a different value. And so some contractors, some manufacturers want to scale, so they want volume. And they'll give you a better price, but they want volume. I would say that there's a lot of contractors that want to be paid more for their time. Like, I think we all know finishing contractors would love to have more time to finish um, their work. But if they're not getting paid enough, then, you know, they're going to rush to their work a little bit quicker. And the quality's not sometimes there. And so I think really, if a builder can sit down and I know it takes time and it's even 10 minutes over coffee or even 10 minutes on site, just talk to your vendor, talk to your manufacturer, talk to your subs and say, Hey, like, what are you trying to do with your business? Like, are you just looking to make money and live paycheck to paycheck? Or are you trying to scale this to a 50 man operation? What are you trying to do? And what do you value? And most guys just want to get paid more, right? Let's be honest. But I think if you can kind of understand what the trade partner values, then a lot of times builders can make little changes that make a huge difference to our lives. So when I referenced from Weston Dean, there's there's a lot of builders that have sat down with us and said, like, tell us about your company. And so, you know, we push, we're an innovation company. We really want to create products that are unique. I don't have any interest in creating a bifold door, multi-side door, Or a double hung window. Like, I want products that are very unique, unlike anything else in the market. And so, once these builders understand that, they go, Well, you know, we have some ideas. Some of our clients have been asking us if we could do this or if we could get a window or a door that does this. And so, they give us feedback and we try and create products that solve those problems. In doing so, we're getting a ton of value from that builder, right? So, we're getting feedback loop, we're getting a ton of information about what the client wants. And in turn, we can create products that bring value to the builder and hopefully makes their build unique. And so that gives them value. So I think the best builders that we work with are the ones that take the time. And like I said, it's not two hour meetings, it's 15 minutes over coffee and just saying, hey, what are you trying to do? Where do you guys see yourself going? What's your goal for the next year? okay, how can I help facilitate that? How can I, if you give me a better price, I can give you more more work. If I give you a higher price, I can give you a little bit less work, but I can keep you busy. So I know it's tough. Builders are all busy, but I would say just try and understand your trade partner's business and their values and then
1: try and give them some value and in return, they're going to be loyal. That's great advice. So the way that I hear it and I, Second, what you're saying is figure out what your trade partner's goals are, what motivates them, what are they trying to accomplish, and help them get there. Provide value to them as well, rather than just simply trying to extract value from them. And the thing that comes to mind when I think about that is one of the most underrated ways to approach business and making money is to actually invert it and think about how you can actually give value and provide value to other people because if you're the more valuable you are to other people, paradoxically the more money that you probably will be able to make for yourself. Right? So that's what I hear you. say, And I really see that myself and I think it's something that a lot of us need to work on. And that's why I started with the word strategy because I think
2: that everybody's looking out for their own good first and for short term gains. Right? They just want that next big sale. They they're not looking down the road. And so we all should be thinking about long term relationships and longevity of every business in this industry. And so how do we do that? We think about other people first. And so you're you're spot on. It's like not thinking about your business at all will actually bring you a lot more value (laughs) down the road. But it is a long term play,
1: right? If you want short term gains, you know, you're gonna think about a different way. Yeah, and and for us, that's one of the things we're trying to accomplish with this podcast is to provide value to our other builder friends that are out there in the trenches alongside us because it's a it's a challenging business. And our hope is to somehow through these interviews provide little, uh, little bits of value here and there. And um, I think that that's something that we all need to focus on more. I know I've said it before, but I'm, I'm with you on that. It's hard to quantify. The problem is it's hard to really wrap your hands around how sometimes when you're providing value to others and you're thinking about it, how exactly that comes back to you. But I think that's the wrong way to go about it. You focus on providing the value, taking care of them and it will. And to touch
2: on that, I would say there's going to be builders and vendors that you're going to provide value to upfront. And then they're going to take it and they're going to shop around and find someone cheaper for the next project. So there are going to be builders that you provide value and you don't get that value back. But ultimately, the way we see it is those are people you don't want to deal with anyways. So you're actually weeding those people out sooner. And the people that appreciate the value you're building and give value in returns, those are the types of people that you want to do business with. So it's a quicker way to weed out. (laughs) you know. The good ones from the bad ones and
1: yeah I, I think that's that's really important for both sides yeah and, and you remind me when you talk about that of, of the fact that this is what you got to look at this through long-term lens anyways you're going for the long game you do what we're talking about and yeah you definitely may not always win in the short game but you got to focus on the long game and the thing that actually wound up happening is when you find those good long-term relationships, you end up getting exponentially more value and then providing more value. I think the longer-term relationship you have with somebody, it's that compounding interest. You know, Eventually, you've been working with somebody long enough um, and this goes to pretty much any relationship, most anything in life. I think that time and repetition breeds value that almost nothing else can replicate. I agree. So. We have long-term relationships with some of our trade partners and it's just seamless. You know, it's almost, almost, I'm not saying you do this, but it's almost like you don't even have to issue a PO or a contract, you've got that level of trust. Now, again, we don't do that, but I'm just simply saying that the type of relationship that you can achieve and it definitely, I think, ends up providing so much more value for both parties later on down the road. Definitely. So okay, For sure let's uh, let's move on here. so I want to talk about the other side of this, which is some of the more common things that you see happening with builders that maybe we don't realize we're doing so innocent mistakes that could be poisoning our relationships with our trade partners. anything come to mind? I would just say it's the communication the feedback
2: side. I think that I guess all builders are busy, right? Like we we know that you guys are so busy that you don't have time to, to think about anything other than what's right in front of you. So I would say that communication is key because you guys have so much on your plate that you don't think about updating a vendor that, you know, for us, it's like, is the site ready? You know, we schedule an install date and we, we touch base with the builder, but lots of times we don't get that communication back. And then we'll show up and the opening won't be prepped right or the framing's out. And so I I think for us, communication is key. And obviously, we've built some things into our company that alleviate some of that. You know, we're trying to take some of that off the builder. So for us, it's like we do site walks. So before the install team comes out, a couple weeks before, we do a site walk with one guy. And he checks the, the opening all the structural, the framing, everything, and then does all our waterproofing. And so the site is completely ready when that install crew rolls up. And so you don't get two or three guys showing up with a van full of panels and not being able to do the install. You know, that's a big cash burner for us. And so we put some things like that in place to try and take some of that off the builder. But I mean, texting a quick call. Like it's pretty easy to communicate. It's just that we're all busy and we don't really think about it. So I would say communication and feedback. I would say one big thing in our industry is that builders are always asking for shorter lead times. You know, and I'm sure everybody knows this, but, you know, we'll give a price and we'll check in with the builder multiple times and they'll say, yeah, we're, we're getting close, we're getting close. And then we'll get a phone call and say, Hey, I need that in four weeks. And we're like, you know, we were pretty clear that our lead times, you know, six weeks or eight weeks, whatever it is. And Hey, I really, really need it. And lots of times we'll be able to make it happen, but it's hard for us. It pushes us on the manufacturing side. You know, there's, it it puts a lot more pressure on us. So I would say planning and communication. I would also say loyalty. So as big as this industry is, it's pretty small. Like we're all pretty connected. So in the door and window industry, I know a lot of the other leaders of companies, just like you know a lot of the builders. And so if you're shopping around for price behind my back, I know what's happening, right? Like we all know what's happening. All our salespeople talk, all our vendors talk. So loyalty is huge. Like if you want a cheaper price, like communicate with me. Right. So go to your vendor and say, hey, listen, you know, I really need something cheaper and give me the opportunity to win the business. And if I can't do it, then I'll recommend somebody. But have that communication, that upfront, you know, <laughs> willingness to just say, hey, listen, on this project, I can't hit your price point. Is there anything you can do or, you know, can you point me in the right direction of somebody that can hit that price point? And we all know the the competition It's just like a client coming to you and asking you to build a house and then saying, I know you told me it's going to be 2 million, but can you do it for 1.2? It's like a slap in the face. And so I think just communication about what's going on and then like loyalty to us. And obviously that brings a ton of value to us. And then, you know, we're happy
1: to help you out where we can. The things that I consistently hear are, that builders don't have their job sites ready when the trades show up. That they, maybe they're they've overscheduled and that things, you know, too many guys are are on top of each other. Yeah. So all of it kind of amounts to simply the jobs not ready. Or the other thing I actually hear a lot is they didn't do a great job communicating the scope of the work and all of the specs up front. And then they realize out in the field that, you know, the specs change, there's whatever. So point being, it all ties back to communication and preparation on the builder's part to help the trade vendor have a better experience when they show up. And that actually ties back to what you said earlier, which is what motivates people. A lot of people, it's just, we're all in in business to, to make money. And that is probably the primary motivator for a decent number of guys out there. And so how can they make more money? They can show up to your job site, and get in and get out as efficiently as possible. And that's a double-edged sword that's on the builder as well to help that.
2: Yeah, and I I would probably clarify too that it's not all on the builder, right? Like the builder's busy. And so as a vendor or as a supplier, you need to understand, again, what the builder is dealing with. Right. Maybe he doesn't have the budget to have someone come and clean the site. Maybe his site supers, you know, too busy to to do that. So we have to be conscious of what the builder is dealing with. And it's not all in the builder. Like we as a manufacturer, as a supplier, we need to develop programs that that help that on the builder end. So that's what we're trying to be conscious of is it's not just about making products quicker and more efficiently and cheaper so that it pads our bottom line. It's about helping out the builder and the end consumer, help them get what they want, but also just building programs that make it simpler for the builder to communicate or taking some of that off his plate, you know, by providing an extra service. Yeah. So yeah. I think that a lot of that is not always on the builder. I think there are builders that are always going to be disorganized and and don't have any drive to be organized that's always how they've done it and that's always how they'll be but there are a ton of builders that want to get better and and maybe don't understand the technology that's out there or you know the vendors that are willing to you know help them out with that so i think that it's it's
1: not all on the builder (laughs) yeah and i agree it's it's a two-way street and the builder needs to Properly communicate, and to that example you gave with the builders that are disorganized and may not have much drive to get better, I would say to that that they're probably always going to have mixed results. Right. But then it's also on the trade partners to. Listen, a lot of the issues that are common now on the trade partner side is saying they're going to be there at a certain time or day, and then just simply not showing up. Right. And so it's it is a two way street. I think that ultimately boils down to good communication. For sure. Let's shift gears, and I want to hear a little bit about your company. So you have a new company called Glass Expanse. You guys specialize in modern luxury doors and windows that are, I don't know the best way to describe it. You can describe it better, but I would say architecturally unique, significant. So what do we as builders, I'm talking about your particular industry, what do we not know that you you think we should? What are some common misperceptions? So I didn't grow up in the door and window industry.
2: So I have a lot of opinions that maybe aren't common. And so I'd like to start this by saying this is my personal opinion. Um, I think that most manufacturers are focused on architects, architect driven. So they want the spec. And so I know that as a state, Texas is very different. So. Austin is very architect driven. I would say that a lot of our builders say, well, the architect spec'd it. So that's what I'm putting in the house. Um, there's, you know, variation to that, but San Antonio, the builders run it. So you, the builders tells the architect what to spec. So the major cities are very different as far as the mindset of the builder and the architect. And so it's a different play, but I would say nationally, it's mostly architect driven. So, I think the manufacturers are incentivized to appeal to the architect. And so, what I see happening is that there's a drive towards the technical spec side. So, energy efficiency, you know, on the aluminum side, thermal brake, there's a lot of things that are done simply to appease the architect, I feel like. And so, what happens is all these products get bulkier glass gets darker and heavier and harder to install. And what ends up happening is your home looks more like a commercial building than it does a house. And so you get this super blue glass and big bulky frames and it looks like curtain wall. I mean, in some instances, they're using commercial product on some of these bigger custom homes. And so the feedback we're getting is that that's not what the client wants, but the architect is it in. And so a lot of times they go with that or else they look around and they can't find anything on the market that they like the look of. And so they end up going with something that the architect or the builder recommends. And so the kind of, at least from my opinion is that the builder and the client is often sold on a product that isn't a perfect fit for their house or for their style. And so I'll give you one example. So like low E coatings, right? They reflect solar energy, great for certain applications, but we'll do a home where the patio is north-facing. We're putting a patio door in and there's a 30-foot covered patio. So that door unit is never going to see direct sunlight. Now, do you need to pay for low-E coating in your glass? No, you don't. But a lot of times, they'll be sold that because that's the standard and you know that's industry standard for patio doors in Texas. And so there's a lot of times where I feel like the builder and the client are oversold product. And that's because I feel like the architect is covering their basis, you know, a lot of times. And so that's one thing that I would say is that the builders probably need to understand what technology there is in this industry. And I think there's a lot of manufacturers that are doing tremendous things. Like we hear about plant tours at Western You know, Pella does a a bunch of trips for builders to their plant. So a lot of these manufacturers are starting to educate the builders, but I feel like a lot of times the builder's hands are tied and and the architect specs what they want. And a lot of times the, the client doesn't exactly get what they want as far as looks are concerned. And so I think it's really up to the manufacturer's rep or the sales rep to educate builders on the technology that's available. And then help them and the client find a solution that's right for the client, not right for the architect. So I, I do feel like this industry is very architect driven. And obviously as a manufacturer, if you have an architect that's specing your your product in, I mean that's that's the best thing possible for you. But it's not always the best thing for the client or for the builder. So that's where I see sometimes
1: the builder or the client getting the short end of the stick. Okay. My last question for you, I just want to visit a little bit on your story and your background and your company about what you guys are focusing on and doing right now so that the audience can hear. You guys have some, I think some pretty cool stuff. So you spent a few minutes just, just filling us in on all of that.
2: Yeah. I grew up in Western Canada. Um, I grew up in a family that was in the trades, multiple different trades. And so I, I don't know if a lot of Americans, no, but in Canada, college is not pushed as hard as it is here in the u s and so there's a big push into the trades. A lot of people younger guys and girls see that you can you know leave high school and go straight into the trades and and in three four years, be making really good money and there's I think there's a little bit of pride involved with working with your hands. There's almost a stigma about the construction industry in a good way that you know you're a tough guy if you're you're a framer if you're a contractor and so i think there's a really big push to the trades or there has been for at least 20 years in canada whereas college has been pushed really hard in the us and so i grew up in a family that was you know in the custom home building space i i worked a lot of different trades and i traveled all over the world and so it was actually in australia that i i started working for a patio door company and learned a little bit about the industry, and then came back, had my own construction company in Canada, and ended up selling out of that. And knowing that there was a need in the industry, in the door industry, for something with slimmer frames, I saw a trend in the companies in, from Europe coming over and slimmer lines, you know, more visually appealing product. And so, that's really been our mindset from day one. Is focus on the visual aesthetics of a product, not to say that performance goes out the window, but really trying to provide the narrowest sight lines, unique products that operate different than anything else in the market. And so our drive is creating something that no one else does and a look that no one else can achieve. And so we do sacrifice some performance and and we're pretty upfront about it that, you know, we're we're non-thermally broken aluminum. And so you get not as good energy efficiency. You get there's a, a few downsides to it, but there's also a lot of upsides. And so that's the approach we've taken: is we're going to focus on the visual aesthetics of product and the usability, and focus less on the energy efficiency and the uh, you know the performance of. I don't. know. I, my personal opinion is that I think the glass industry, the technology that's flowing into the glass industry, pretty soon you're going to have products that you can build your windows and doors out of. I mean, there's already products on the market now that are non-aluminum products that provide great thermal performance and great structural capabilities. So that's kind of where we're leaning is to innovative products, um, using innovative materials and trying to give the client a look and a use that you know no one else can provide. So right now, our product is a slide and stack door. It's independent panels that slide and pivot, kind of a cross between a bifold and a slider, um, but really, really thin frames. So when it's closed, your sight lines are really, really thin and then really compact when they stack. So on some openings, you can open up to 98% of your wall. So all about that indoor, outdoor living, entertaining space, that sort of thing, and which is right on trend right now. Okay,
1: nice. Are you guys offering any window units as well, or are you guys just focusing on your door units? We do. So we do a lot of service windows. So our window units are operable
2: window units. They are essentially the same as our door units. So not so much full window like uh, house packages, but more so, you know, service windows from a kitchen area to an outdoor bar top, that sort of thing. And then uh, patio enclosures. We're doing a lot of interior partition walls for
1: conference rooms, that sort of thing, okay, so I had to ask your your marketing focuses a little more on the door component for sure, and our
2: I guess our focus is really because of my background being more contractor driven, so we have a builder direct program, and a lot of our process is driven to take a lot of the pain points off the builder so we have our own install crews. We do our own site walks with our own guys. We do everything in house, and so you're not relying on a third party to provide service. Or even pricing is is a lot better. So, trying to do things a little bit different. Obviously, with the internet now, it's the goal is to be selling almost completely online, where builders can price and order units online uh, through an online portal that we have, and so. It just provides a lot less pain points for the builder where you know you can put your kids to bed at night and order your your patio door uh, before you go to bed <laughs> instead of having to call or get together with the local sales rep and all that. So trying to be a little bit more streamlined with our ordering
1: and our install side And when we talked before, I mentioned how excited I am for what you guys are doing with that because I think one of the big frictions in the construction industry is. Still, for good reason, I understand why. But there's a lot of uh, a lot of difficulty in being able to just order things quickly. So you guys are eliminating that pain point, eliminating that friction by creating this sell directly to builder model that can even be accomplished online. I think that's very cool. I'm excited to see what you guys.
2: Yeah, and I think the key to it is that we're keeping things really, really simple. So our product has one handle option you can get multiple colors but we have one standard color option and so for us it's we need about three different sets of information from the builder basically height width and which side is opening and that's it we can give you a price and so we don't have different handle options and and all these different options that can change the price drastically so we're trying to keep it simple so that the builder you know knows exactly what they're getting it's the exact same quality every time just simplify everything for both the builder and the client so that makes it easier for them to order online they're not overwhelmed with you know choosing the right handle color or the handle option or you know locking option all that sort of stuff so just trying to keep it simple
1: yeah okay before i let you go you got to tell me now how did a canadian end up in small town south away
2: <laughs> my wife uh, grew up in montana and then she got a place down here for work. So we moved down about four years ago, and this is home. We love it down here. It's it's a perfect place for business. I, I just I fell in love with Texas, the mindset towards business here. And so I've said to many people, I don't ever plan on going back to Canada, let alone anywhere outside of Texas. So
1: love it here. Yeah, you ever get any strange looks with the with the accent? <laughs> yeah, on a daily basis, people
2: say, "Where are you from?" They don't ask me, uh, "Did you grow up in Texas?" They know that uh, with the accent, but yeah, they most people ask where I'm from. One of their first questions.
1: <laughs> you know what? If you actually you're, you're fairly neutral. I I didn't pick up on it for a while. One of my best friends is up in Minnesota, and I got that thick minnesotan accent but now you're pretty, right. pretty neutral you might already be getting inculcated <laughs> into this this texas accent and i try not to throw the a in too much <laughs> all right adam <laughs> thanks so much for coming on appreciate it well thanks for having me on